Yes, we did. Yes, we can. Thank you. God bless you. Hello, and welcome to today's special episode of 50 Stars Plus. I'm Alex covering the US. And I'm Nicola covering Switzerland. Today, we're releasing a special to describe breaking news. The Taliban has officially taken the city of Kabul in Afghanistan. Afghan President Ashraf Ghani has been forced to flee. As of this morning, the Taliban officially controls Afghanistan. They officially control Afghanistan. I mean, this has happened in two, three days. When we recorded our episode, Alex, on Thursday, they had control of two-thirds of the country. And we knew that they were going to come in and uh, eventually gain power. But this just, um, you know, this was just a week-long sweep of the Taliban taking over Kabul and now basically the whole country. It's fast. And I wonder how accurate some of the Western reporting about it has been. You know, a lot of Western reporters are down on the ground, but uh, we do prefer sensationalism in the U.S. especially uh, compared to other countries. And also, I would suggest a lot of our Western reporters down there may not fully understand the cultural situation on the ground, but maybe you would know more about that as the journalist. Yes. So I was actually actually a little bit confused today when I did some research on Twitter, seeing um, local people from Afghanistan. Obviously, I have to say this is very hard to verify. Are these accounts from local people in Afghanistan using Twitter, are these um, valid or are these real? Or is this maybe misinformation? I don't know. But what I've heard is on Twitter that the Afghan military is complaining about Western reporting um, because Western media reported that the Afghan military just gave up all the cities, including Kabul. Um, but the Afghan military personnel on Twitter were like, that's not true. We're still fighting. It's not accurate. So I found that uh, pretty interesting, and I don't have, obviously, the answer what's accurate and what not. I want to, though, say that, uh, obviously, Reuters and AP is a very good news agency and normally uh, very trustable. Yeah, normally very trustworthy since they aggregate news from all sorts of different outlets. Uh, but what I'm interested to know, and they haven't really described to us or released yet, is what is the actual grand situation in terms of combat? We don't really know that many details about the Taliban military offensive in terms of the actual strategy they used. We don't know what the overarching grand strategy of the Afghan military and government was. We do know that the U.S. has mostly been focused on just evacuating our people. And as a result, we sent our uh, 3,000 troops in the other day. And we expect to keep some degree of very limited presence in Afghanistan for at least the next few weeks as we continue to evacuate. Let's break, the, let's break this down, Alex, for the listeners just one more time. Uh, very quickly, America was in Afghanistan with other NATO countries for 20 years after the 9-11 attacks. They uh, are leaving right now and uh, America is supposed to be fully withdrawn by the end of August. And the Taliban starting in May when the American troop uh, removal uh, started to happen, they started to move forward and taking city after city. And just in the last weeks, um, it was uh, just a very fast um, offensive of the Taliban. And now they have control of Kabul. And this uh, is really the question now. I mean, you were 20 years in Afghanistan, uh, America, Alex. Um, now you're leaving. Um, everything was for nothing, right? In two days, everything went to... I do think... Uh, I don't want to say it was for nothing, as we did take out some very dangerous people while we were in the Middle East, Osama bin Laden, Saddam Hussein, Qasem Soleimani, uh, even al-Nalaki. We've taken out a lot of people who were very powerful, very dangerous. On the other hand, we've destabilized the region completely. 
our presence there is not productive, hasn't been productive in at least five, six, seven years. And so pulling out, I would say, at least from my perspective, is the right move. Uh, Trump also wanted to pull out. Had he done so, this exact thing probably would have happened, though maybe his response to the Taliban might have been a little more aggressive. I think Trump maybe would have uh, bowed to political pressure to keep troops in after that and maybe deployed more troops, more bombs compared to Biden, who's just focused on pulling out. But I agree with Biden on this front for pulling out because what are we even accomplishing there? If the Taliban can take over so easily after we've just been gone a few months, it just seems as if there are limits to how much we can build up the Afghan government. And it shouldn't be our job to do so anyways. I already asked you this uh, in our last episode. I'm released early because of the breaking news, Alex. Um, you know, what are you telling to a woman who is studying at Kabul University? I mean, I've seen these uh, reporting of um, teachers, professors telling goodbye today to their female students at Kabul University, because as we know, under Taliban law, under Islamic law, um, women, female are not allowed um, to go to university, to go to school, to get an education. And the professors today, some of them, um, according to Western reporting, um, they say goodbye to their female students because they know they're probably never going to see them again in school. And, you know, you support Joe Biden's decision of pulling out, but you were there 20 years. You meddled into their own country. You invaded the country. You made life better for the citizens, at least in Kabul and in other regions of the country. Now you're pulling out and now their the whole life is going back for them 20 years. They're devastated. How can you support a decision of a US president when he leaves a whole country behind? At the end of the day, though, uh, from Joe Biden's perspective, he's the president of the United States, not the president of Afghanistan. And it's not as if I don't feel for the folks in Afghanistan. They do deserve their human rights. However, it's not the U.S.'s job to run the Afghan government for them. Uh, if the Afghan government is serious about human rights, it's up to them to pursue that. And we shouldn't be basically running their country as an extension of our personal U.S. democracy. That's not what we do. And every single extra year that we stay there, we're sacrificing more money that could have been spent on our crumbling infrastructure in America, that could have been spent on healthcare, on student loans, on fighting homelessness, on Space Force, on all sorts of endeavors. And every year that we're there, we lose more American lives. And so even though there are a lot of human rights violations, and I do feel for those women in Kabul that you're describing, those who are being deprived of education and freedom and all sorts of other liberties, at the same time, is the argument really being made that we should sacrifice American sons and daughters and American projects in order to protect, in order to protect the interests of a country that is not part of the U.S.? Should Joe Biden really be prioritizing Afghan rights over American rights when he is the president of the United States of America? I don't think so. Hold on, Alex. You're emphasizing Joe Biden is the president of the United States of America. But you went in there 20 years ago. You invaded the country. So, I mean, from a Swiss perspective, you're going in there 20 years ago. You're doing your things. Um, you have your interest in the Middle East. Obviously, you don't want that other um, powers uh, such as Russia or China um, gains influence in that region. After 20 years, you're pulling out and then you're just saying, well, He's the president of the United States. So as, as soon as 
things are turning out to be bad, you're just saying, oh, he's the president of the United States. We have no, we have no issues. We have no, um, we have no deal in Afghanistan. But you went in there in the first place. That's a little bit, in my opinion, a, uh, a cheap way of Americans saying we don't want to have anything to do with that mess. It's problematic, though, because Joe Biden didn't put us in Afghanistan. George W. Bush did. This is an inherited war. And each new president has had to inherit that war. Obama inherited it from Bush. Trump inherited it from Obama. Biden inherited it from Trump. And Joe Biden has said he doesn't want to pass it to another administration. And I agree. I thought we should have pulled out when Trump wanted to. Actually, I thought we should have pulled out when Obama wanted to. Uh, But Obama bowed to political pressure. He wasn't willing to do it. Trump bowed to political pressure. He wasn't willing to do it. It turns out Joe Biden is the only person who had the courage in the moment to say, look, we acknowledge that America made a mistake. We acknowledge that this whole invasion, this 20-year occupation, they have been problematic. We shouldn't have done that. We shouldn't have gone in. And a lot of lawmakers in the U.S. have been saying that for many years now. And so finally, it's time to make a decision. If we know it was a mistake, then are we going to continue to stay there? Or are we going to cut off the mistake now? Because all we do, if we pass it on to another administration, is extend the mistake. And that's not something we should be doing. Hold on. You're praising Joe Biden a little bit too much, in my opinion. Because let's be honest also, Trump paved the way. Uh, It was easy for Joe Biden because obviously the American public is much more in favor to pull out of Afghanistan. So in my opinion, it was a very easy decision, decision actually for Joe Biden to do, to be pulling out of Afghanistan politically, um, because there was no backlash from the American public. He didn't have to fear that it's unpopular to pull out of Afghanistan. Do you agree? I actually disagree. I don't think it was an easy political decision. If we're talking purely about the politics of it, and we're talking about the optics and the way it's being received, a lot of voters don't think we should pull out. A lot of people fear the Taliban very viscerally, and they want us to stay. Though to them, my argument is, what danger does the Taliban personally pose to you or to American citizens in the United States? Very little. None, in fact, at the current moment. And so even though they're having all this success against the Afghan government, they don't pose a real national security threat to the U.S. at this current moment. And that does mean that... It makes perfect sense to pull out, but I'm not going to say that there are no political uh, consequences for it, because there are. But I would suggest, if people want us to stay, propose a grand strategy. That's why we're pulling out, is we don't have one. We don't have an overarching long-term plan or goal. Our only plan or goal seems to be remain, 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 spend, 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 and react as new things happen, react as ISIS rises, react as the Taliban takes over Afghanistan. If we stayed, fought them, defeated them, what next? Would we then be dealing with a new resurgent al-Qaeda? Would ISIS have time to recuperate? Would a new organization appear? It's a very unstable region. There are always problems, especially when a foreign country like the United States comes in, not fully understanding the culture. Let's break, the, let's break this down for, to the end for this episode. Um, where does this leave us um, in the Afghanistan war, which is going to end uh, formally by the end of August, Alex? The Taliban have regained control of Kabul, of, uh, of the whole country. Um, the president has uh, fled the country. Where, this, where does this leave us um, with Afghanistan? 
it leaves us in a precarious situation in that it means we're going to see a power vacuum for a second. The Taliban can't necessarily run a country uh, just based off of their policies of brutality. And so what we might see is Chinese influence in the region expand. I doubt we will see Russian influence expand because they were burned in Afghanistan in the 80s and the 70s, and they know already uh, what that's like. What I would say, however, is maybe something we'll see is Israel is going to take a bigger role here. Uh, Israel has moved a little farther right recently, and as a result, they're a lot more a lot more boisterous in the way they're talking about stuff. And I think other countries in this region are going to have to start to ask themselves who they would rather partner with and ally with. Would they rather ally with the Taliban-led Afghanistan or with Israel? And they've already made that calculus before with Iran and Israel. That's a big debate for a lot of those countries is which of those two to uh, get behind. All right. This was it from our special episode. The next episode is going to be released in uh, two weeks as normal uh, on a Monday, Monday, August 30th. Alex, you have just uh, arrived in Switzerland. This is actually our first podcast we are uh, recording uh, next to each other. The editing is going to be so much easier. So much easier for you. Yeah, you did all the work <laughs> with editing so far. Uh, what's your first impression of Switzerland, Alex? There's a lot of uh, cows, a lot of sheep. <laughs> Uh, so you actually, you found my place. Uh, I live a little bit outside of, of Zurich. Um, it was really hot today. It was, it was really humid. I'm not, uh, San Diego is hotter temperature wise, but it's just humid here. So I'm, and I'm not used to that. So it's pretty hot. And what do you look, uh, what do you look most forward to your stay in Switzerland? Oh man, I am so looking forward to the Derby game with FC Zurich and the Grasshoppers, but also maybe Geneva getting to see the United Nations, uh, the only corrupt thing in all of Switzerland as well, which is FIFA. <laughs> Sepp Platter, yeah, our uh, former president of FIFA. Uh, yes, all right, that was it. Um, Alex, break it down. Uh, okay, I actually have a list on my phone of um, things that I've noticed uh, right off the bat from the moment I arrived here. Uh, okay, for starters, um, the escalator was faster than American escalators. That's kind of a random thing to say, but, you know, it's still a thing. The plane was better than any American airline. By the way, very quickly, I have to dis United Airlines. They're terrible. I hate them. You got the Swiss chocolate uh, at Swiss Airlines, correct? Yeah, at the end of the flight, they give you Swiss chocolate. It's really cool. It was very good chocolate. Um, also, uh, today I was walking in, in an old town and uh, I saw a prison. Swiss prisons are very, very nice looking. It looks nicer than my college dorm, frankly. Uh, so that was kind of a shock to me coming from America where prisons don't look like five-star hotels. Do you want to tell us you want to go to prison, Alex, in Switzerland? Well, no, but it looks a lot better than American prison. <laughs> uh, also, I noticed Switzerland is kind of broken into like a lot of tiny villages isolated everywhere as opposed to the U.S., which is like towns and cities connected by massive, expansive highways. Like Switzerland obviously also has highways, but... There's a lot more little villages that are very self-sufficient. All right. Welcome to Switzerland, Alex. If you have any suggestions for Alex, what he has to see in Switzerland, um, let us know on our social media. It's 50 stars plus. That is 50-S-T-A-R-S-P-L-U-S. And you can find us on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, all of it. All right. Have a good one. Cheers, guys.
it for the win. Yes, we did. Yes, we can. Thank you. God bless you.